0: From the Boston Globe, this is Rhode Island Report. I'm Ed Fitzpatrick. Welcome back to the podcast where we bring you big conversations from our very small state. The best chef in the Northeast is based right here in Rhode Island. Sherry Pocknett, the owner and chef at Sly Fox Den 2 in Charlestown, received the James Beard Award last week. She's the first indigenous woman chef to receive that honor. Our conversation after a quick break. Welcome back. I'm here in the studio with Chef Sherry Pocknett of the Sly Fox Den 2. Great to have you here. Thank
1: you. Great to be here.
0: As many of our listeners have probably heard by now, you won a James Beard Award in Chicago last week for the best chef of the Northeast category. Congratulations.
1: Woohoo. Thanks. (laughs) Yes, I did.
0: Can you describe the moment at the ceremony when they opened the envelope and called your name?
1: And the winner is. I was shaken. I was flabbergasted. I was amazed. I represent the whole Northeast tribes. Our cooking ways. Ooh, this was a surprise. My mom told me that I was going to get it, and I didn't, I didn't really believe her. I didn't really believe her. She said, you're going, and it's, it's on your grandmother's birthday. My grandmother taught me everything, starting from a very early age. So I just felt her, and I felt my dad. And if you believe in spirit, it, it's a natural thing, and they carry you there. And I'm um, getting a little choked up <laughs> when it comes to that right there. I mean, it's, it's in our DNA that your ancestors carry you and you really listen. And I couldn't even talk. I couldn't even really, I didn't write a speech because I didn't think I was going to win because I was up against four other amazing chefs.
0: And what did it mean to you and to your family to be the first Indigenous woman to
1: receive a James
0: Beard in history?
1: You know, honestly, I didn't think of it that way. I just, thought of it as me being a chef and then realizing that that's what it is. It's just a great honor. And how long has the restaurant been open? This is our third summer. Third. Yeah. Every year we get more popular. I'm pretty cool. <laughs>
0: <laughs> how have you responded to all the extra tension that's come with getting the James Beard Award?
1: Oh, my God. I'm going to tell you. It's, it's. I love it. But I don't love it. But I love it. <laughs> but it's it's tough because I'm not really a person that likes a lot of attention. I love what I do. And I love people being inquisitive, but it's just been overwhelming. Is that, that is, that's probably the best way to say that? Yeah,
0: yeah. It's just
1: been a little overwhelming, but I welcome. I welcome people wanting to know and I welcome all of that. Have you gained any insights from receiving the award? Well, I'll tell you. Sometimes you don't realize how valuable you are until someone else tells you. Hmm. So now I guess I'm it.
0: Yeah, Has it opened a window to other indigenous
1: chefs? And I hope so. Yeah. I certainly hope so. There's a lot of them out there. Yeah. And they're coming. They're amazing, all of them. How did you first
0: become interested in food and cooking? Was that from your grandma? Are you
1: kidding me? I got it. Susie Homemaker, which is like an easy bake oven. Oh, yeah? It's the 60s, so it was a Susie <laughs> Homemaker. I was probably about seven or eight. I used to steal food out of the refrigerator, and it could be oysters, it could be little necks, it could be deer meat, muskrat. Whatever was in that refrigerator was going in that easy bake oven, and I was feeding it to my brothers. And I actually thought that I was a big chef then because they would eat everything.
0: So for those of our listeners who haven't dined at Sly Fox then too, can you describe your concept and what you're serving there?
1: The concept is indigenous food of the Northeast, coastal, we're coastal. So it's a lot of fish. You know, in the wintertime, it's rabbit and ducks and deer meat. It's really foods that I grew up with, and it's food that is seasonal. Indigenous people of the East Coast, where, you know, we got four or five seasons. There's different food that, you know, you can harvest every month, including in the winter.
0: And right now, what's what's the... Right, main, now, yeah, well, what right now,
1: it's a lot. The herring come back from the north. Hmm. The birds come back from the south. Our first greens are fiddlehead ferns and wild ramps and such. And also... Striped bass are following the herring, bluefish are following them, and squid. We eat squid. We eat, you know, all of those things that we fish with. We're in a podcast, but I can just see your eyes light up when you talk
0: about <laughs> the herring coming back. And is it something that brings you a lot the of joy? The
1: herring is one of the first things that we were taught when we we're probably three years old. We go to the river and see if they're up yet. They come from Nova Scotia, from the north, and they come up our rivers to go, to spawn in the ponds. You know, they lay their eggs, they attach to leaves and sticks and stuff like that. For our town, Mashpee, we want bragging rights to, to be the first one to spot a heron. Yeah, You know what I mean? Whether it be March or April.
0: So if I went into the restaurant this week, what's the one dish I would have to try?
1: I would say bluefish hash with poached eggs and a... Big, beautiful corn cake on the side. Oh, that sounds a lot better than what I had for breakfast. Yeah, you said it's going to be hot, right? (laughs) It's got to be nice and piping hot Um, with a nice runny yolk. Oh, that (laughs) sounds
0: great. Your restaurant's been credited as a place where people can learn about indigenous food and ways of cooking. So what are some of the ways you're doing that?
1: We're giving basket classes. We're doing cooking classes. We do lots of kid stuff. And how open is the
0: younger generation to receiving this? or Are they like, well, I'm going to Taco Bell?
1: Well, no. No. No, they love it. They great. love it. That's so good. teaching them about Heron is a lot to learn. We teach the children male from female, the bad row and the good row, and teach them how to cook it. It's just amazing what they – they're little sponges.
0: That's great. Yeah. They're
1: little sponges, and they learn. They learn about all of this stuff, and you, you'll be surprised.
0: And tell me about why it's important to you to preserve these traditions and these flavors. We have
1: got to preserve them and we have got to teach our young because they'll go dormant if we don't carry on our traditions, then we lose it. We got to we got to do it for the next 7 generations. We have to make sure that our kids know and they receive the information, not just knowing, not just giving one class. We want to make sure they feel the love of the food that you're cooking or the blueberries that we're going to get ready to go pick or strawberries. Right now it's strawberry season, so I'll be taking my grandchildren strawberry picking. This all boils down to Keeping the land clean and making sure we can harvest off the land, making sure that we can eat out of your backyard, and you're not putting Scott's turf builder to make your your grass green because it's poison. Yeah, just let me
0: ask you. You mentioned the herring coming back and living off the land. What have you thought of the threats from pollution and climate change that we see today? Wow, I'll tell, it's it's horrible.
1: We gotta wake up. There's less fish, very less. As a little kid, I could reach my hand, both hands, in the water and grab two fish with each hand. Two heron with each hand. You know, we used to brag about that stuff. You can't do that now. And it used to be for weeks, the heron used to come up like that. We used to say the river's black. That means it's full of fish. It's full of heron. Not no more. Pretty soon, we're not going to have no clean water. There's not going to be any fish that you can eat. They're already polluted.
0: Yeah, I was just running around a lake over the weekend and the sign on the tree talked about how the water, you know, don't eat too much of the fish because it's got PFAS, PFAS, chemicals, and
1: mercury in the fish. High in bacteria. My, I wouldn't let my grandchildren swim in the water this weekend because they posted, a, they posted a sign saying the water's high in bacteria. This is on Cape Cod. And I swam in that water growing up. We used to get water... And take it home and take baths in it and it was good kick a hole in it while you're skating and put your mouth down there and you're good to go but you can't do that you can't drink that water you can't eat them fish and i don't know if it's too late for that particular pond but we got to clean this act up
0: during your acceptance speech in chicago last week you told the crowd that you had cancer but that you were nearly through it so what was it like to be working through the chemo treatments and possibly surgery at the time that you were being considered for
1: such a prestigious award. It was like the end of March when I heard that I was a nominee. And I was like, wow. But my daughter, I had been sick since October and started chemotherapy in November. My daughter won't let me work, first of all, until I'm better all the way because I'm extremely tired. And chemo does many different things to... You know, everybody's different when it comes to that chemotherapy, but...
0: Are you finished with the chemo yet or are you still I'm, going I'm through I'm done it? with the chemo. Oh, good, good.
1: But I'm having immunotherapy and a bunch of different treatments and surgery at the end of this month.
0: Surgery at the end so of I'm
1: month. So I'm hoping that I'm going to be done with that and be able to get back to work soon.
0: Yeah, I wish you the best with Thank that. You. Thank Has you. Has this process with your, help, with your health shaped how you think about your relationships with your business or your your family or
1: tribe? I just want to get done so I can cook. I want to cook. Yeah, yeah. That's my my thing. I want to just cook. I've got to get this other restaurant open. That's my main goal and get my cookbook out.
0: Yeah, I understand you have a plan to use the revenue from your restaurant to renovate a larger restaurant and event space that you bought in Preston, Connecticut. Is that right? Tell us about that.
1: Okay. So in 2018... I left the uh, museum in Mashantucket, you know, Foxwoods. They have an amazing Native American museum, indigenous museum of the Pequot people, the Mashantucket people. And I worked at their restaurant there for about five years. So I just wanted to venture out on my own. And I love catering, so I had a big catering business, and I needed a place to cater out of. And then there was this old biker bar by my house that wasn't open. And I said, you know, if that becomes for sale, I'm going to try to get it. It became for sale the next week that I said it. So (laughs) it was meant to be. The ancestors are listening to me.
0: So tell us about the space and what you're planning for that property.
1: That space is a beautiful old building, and it's a 200 seat, 198 capacity. Oh, wow, that's big. We won't do that much. We'll probably do like 100, 125, and use it for catering, for weddings, for functions. It's a beautiful place. It's three and a half acres. On on the restaurant side, there's a beautiful green pasture that I'm going to put a living museum. So what it will be is a... Living summer home replica. And we will have live interpreters dressed in full regalia telling the story of how people survived and how we got our food and how we made baskets and dug out canoes and all of this stuff. Oh, wow.
0: So it's going to be a lot more than a restaurant, it's going to be a real heritage site.
1: Yeah, it is. It is, I think, too much. You know? <laughs> and we also, we're going to try to do a oyster farm, huh. a small, you know, a few baskets.
0: I'll be first in line for that. That's, that sounds yeah, great. Yeah, it's going to the... be
1: fun and we'll do demonstrations of dugout canoes or burnout canoes. We're going to rent kayaks and canoes because the water's right there. It's on the water, oh, wow! on the Pocatonic Bay. Seems like I got a lot in store. Yeah, yeah, ta- that's why I got to a- hurry up. That's why I got to hurry up and yeah, get better get, so I can get, get, get on healthy. with
0: it. What's the timetable for the project? As soon as possible? Yeah, yeah. That's
1: the timetable.
0: Yeah, yeah. So now that you're a James Beard winner, can diners expect any changes at your current restaurant? Perhaps
1: a uh, longer wait for a table?
0: Oh my <laughs> goodness. It is slammed. Is it already?
1: It's slammed and people are getting a little upset because what it, it's a very small, it's a 30-seat restaurant. 30 seats. It's a very small kitchen. It's uh, almost too small. We put tables outside and sometimes it's an hour before you get your plate. But believe me, it's worth it. We're not going to take away the time to make things quicker. We want to make sure that you're loving it. Right. We want to make sure that it's going out proper. We want to make sure that you're getting what you want. Um, So please be patient.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, again, congratulations, Chef Sherry. Great chatting with you, and thank thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: For more coverage of Sly Fox Den 2 and Chef Sherry Pocknett's James Beard Award, go to globe.com slash Island. Here are some more stories to check out this week in Globe, Rhode Island. Steph Machado reports that Providence City Councilwoman Helen Anthony was hit by a van during a hiking trip in Northern California over the weekend. I have a story about a bill to decriminalize psychedelic mushrooms. The Rhode Island House of Representatives voted 54 to 11 in favor of the legislation, but the Senate is not expected to take up the bill this session. Democrats are blasting Alan Waters, a former Republican running as a Democrat for the first congressional district seat, for refusing to participate in a candidate forum because the moderator will be a transgender woman, the Reverend Donnie Anderson. I have the details. For these stories and more, go to globe.com slash Rhode Island. That's globe.com slash Rhode Island. Rhode Island Report is a production of the Boston Globe. Today's episode was produced by Megan Hall, Carlos Munoz, and Scott Hellman. Audio mixing and mastering by Marissa Ewing of Hemlock Creek Productions. Our music is from APM. And if you like the podcast, do us a favor, follow the show, and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. I'm Ed Fitzpatrick. See you next week.